Good afternoon. I'm John Falchicchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. And on behalf of Mayor Bowser, I want to welcome you uh, to the Recovery Weekly Check-In. Uh, this week, we're excited to talk to uh, you all about uh, the return to the office. Uh, we've said return to work, uh, but we know many have been working uh, through the pandemic. Uh, and we want to talk about how we'll return to the office, uh, including uh, in the Central Business District. Uh, so before we begin, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, and remind everyone that Mayor Bowser uh, just yesterday announced what uh, our dialed-up activities would look like as of May 1st. Uh, and so there's a couple of activities, including entertainment, uh, ceremonies and meetings, uh, fitness and pools, recreation, retail, libraries, and museums, all of which have new uh, updated uh, protocols when it comes uh, time for that on May 1st. Uh, so if you missed those updates, you want to check out uh, the path forward by visiting coronavirus.dc.gov and uh, look at the situational update, uh, which you can find in the newsroom uh, on coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, and we'll ask you to take a look at that and think about how you'll plan for your business uh, to come back uh, starting on May 1st. Uh, so we uh, also announced uh, just last month uh, that we're targeting uh, the beginning of May uh, for really return to the office. So at March Madness, we talked about a couple strategies, and we've got partners here today uh, to talk about those strategies, about the future of work uh, and the importance of workers returning to the central business district uh, to uh, enhance uh, the vibrancy of our downtown corridor. Uh, so today we'll cover some of the enduring topics uh, of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, on, and its impact on the central business district, our businesses, and how the bids and other companies are engaging with employers and businesses uh, and perspectives on the future of office work, conversions of office space, and what we're seeing in the central business district that's moving us closer uh, to recovery uh, and growth. And so with that, I want to introduce a couple of our uh, panelists. Uh, but before I do that, I want to remind everybody that you can join the conversation, uh, share with us a question or a comment. Uh, if you're on the phone line, you can press zero. Uh, but also on social media, use the hashtag DCHOPE on Twitter and Facebook, and that'll allow us to see your question uh, or comment. Uh, and so with that, I want to introduce uh, our first two guests, uh, Neil Albert, uh, who's the president and executive director of the downtown DC bid, uh, and Leona. Leona, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna, not going to mess up your name. Uh, with a name like Falchicchio, you understand, uh, who's the executive director of the Golden Triangle bid. Uh, so I want to thank them both for joining us. And I'll go with uh, Neil Albert first, uh, who's joining us remotely today. Neil? Thank you so much, John. Uh, I am not going to say your name either because I'm sure you're going to mess it up. Uh, but thanks for, for having us today. Um, and we at the Downtown Bid and Golden Triangle Bid, and actually all of our business improvement districts are looking uh, to the future, and so we're very happy that you're having uh, this session uh, today. Today we want to focus a little bit narrowly on the sort of the biggest portion of the uh, downtown area, which is the downtown DC Business Improvement District and the Golden Triangle. It does not exclude um, 
some of our other partners in the bid world, particularly our partners at the Capitol Hill bid, um, the, the uh, Capitol Riverfront, uh, Georgetown, and, and the Wharf, and the efforts that they're undertaking to help uh, return to office uh, in as, as quick a time frame as possible. And so let me give you a little bit of uh, history and background, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. So a lot has been said of uh, the pandemic uh, on, on not just the downtown business improvement district, uh, but the, the city at writ large. Um, our office vacancies are up um, in our two bids. Uh, we have we are responsible for 90 million square feet of office, about 60% of the total uh, office space in, in DC. And so obviously we have been heavily impacted. Even before COVID-19, uh, our vacancy rates were climbing. They're now about 20%. Uh, and you know we represent a significant uh, portion of not just the city's uh, real property tax revenue, but the city's uh, gross revenue, or estimates is a little over 11% of, of the city's uh, revenues. And so John talked earlier about how we uh, take a look at our uh, commercial real estate in our bids uh, with an eye towards repurposing, uh, particularly those older buildings for other uses, uh, and that's uh, a work in, in progress. Uh, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic hitting, uh, everybody knows the stats about the, 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 the use patterns of our rail system and our transit system were down 90 to 95% in, in ridership. And uh, as John also suggested, many people are still working uh, from, uh, from, from home, only a small percent, but rising percentage uh, working uh, from their office. Uh, foot traffic about a year ago was teetering between three and 5% downtown. It's, it's moving up. Uh, and particularly as the weather gets warmer, we're seeing between 10 and 15% uh, in, uh, increase in foot traffic downtown. So we're seeing uh, signs of, of progress. So we think the city has done a really good job, and so I, I really want to sing their praises for a few seconds, uh, not just the district government, uh, but also the federal government and some of our bids in helping to really uh, build a bridge uh, from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic to the future, which my colleague Leona will talk about uh, shortly. And so DC government did everything from relaxing the regulatory uh, environment uh, to ensure that businesses that needed to access the sidewalks and create streeteries uh, could do it. You know, they were forward thinking in really deeming some industries, particularly the con construction industry, as essential uh, service. Uh, and again, on the uh, on the forefront in exist in in just rolling over business permits. But all that's good, but unless you provide people with funding, um, they can't exist. And so, you know, uh, to Mayor Bowser's credit, there's $154 million uh, in uh, grant funding that went to our small businesses, our local businesses, which again are acting as a bridge uh, to the future. The downtown DC bid just recently did a, a $1 million grant targeted to um, businesses in our neighborhood, uh, which we hope would also help. And then everyone knows uh, all of the 
wonderful funding that has come down the pike uh, from the federal government, including uh, now three rounds of stimulus. So moving on, uh, I would say experiencing the first signs of recovery in the downtown DC area, but still a lot left to go. Uh, what, where do we see those signs? So for example, in the downtown DC pit itself, we just had two really great uh, restaurants open, uh, Yardbird, um, someone was talking to me about it over the weekend, and uh, Cheesecake Factory um, opening in downtown. Uh, we have museums that are reopening, the National Museum of Women in the Arts and Planet Word are planning on, on are actually are reopening. And then we, you know, we reach out to our stakeholders to sort of find out uh, what their plans are for the future. Uh, and we're hearing that there are potential openings in April and May from the Capital One Arena, the DC Improv. Uh, there are a number of hotels that are reopening, are planning to reopen, including the Marriott Marquis, uh, the Madison Hotel, and others. And then uh, a number of restaurants that close because of the pandemic are also uh, uh, planning to reopen, including some of my favorites. I'm not going to call them by name, but I, uh, but you may be able to see them on your screen. And then I think a big driver of uh, foot traffic downtown is our Smithsonian Museums and their conversations about them opening um, up soon. So we do a regular survey of our stakeholders just to get a sense as to when people are thinking of coming back uh, downtown. We're a little, uh, we're, you know, based on our most recent survey, uh, we expect that 30 to 50% of office workers will be back in the office by Labor Day. Uh, and that's just what we're hearing now. I'm sure as vaccine rollouts move on successfully, that number will go up. Uh, there are a couple of, you know, things that need to be in place uh, for that to happen, including, you know, the health metrics trending in the right direction. So please listen to Dr. Nesbitt. Uh, metro rail safety uh, precautions are being in, in place. And then finally, people having uh, really good childcare and, and schools are being reopened. So the last thing I'll share with you is that, you know, all of our bids have really a shared vision for growth here, not just in the downtown and Golden Triangle uh, areas, but throughout um, the city. You know, in, in 2020, uh, we had a really strong growth uh, that, you know, as my partner Jerry would say, that helps you lead the social investment uh, that the city is so generous about. And so we're hoping to return to that level of robust growth that we saw in 2020 that will help create uh, a path to the middle class and fund the equitable growth that DC is so well known for. Um, and so with that, I'm going to turn it or, or turn it back to John to, to introduce Leona, who will talk a little bit more about some of the recovery efforts that our bids are undertaking. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Neil. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Leona Agaritas, and I'm the executive director of the Golden Triangle Bid and Neil's partner. Um, Neil talked to you about the big picture, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about on the ground some of the things that we and other bids have been doing. Um, fundamentally, um, the first thing that we've been doing is our core businesses. Um, if you look at the slide on, um, uh, if you pull the slide up, please, 
um, you will see that the ambassadors, the people in yellow in the Golden Triangle who have been taking care of the streets, um, and the SAMs, uh, the people in red, um, have been doing their core work. And you see them here three of the, of the four seasons of the year um, taking care of the neighborhoods. In addition, the, um, we have been landscaping, and here you see a beautiful picture of the Connecticut Avenue um, median. Our, our goal really is to um, keep the neighborhood beautiful and attractive for people who are there every day and for people who will be coming back. Um, both of our bids and many of the other bids um, have been also very committed to homeless services and helping people into permanent um, supportive housing is, is a big goal of ours. And um, we have been sustaining that um, program throughout um, the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic. Um, and uh, here you see a picture of one of the Golden Triangle workers um, through Pathways to Housing, and you also see a picture of the Downtown Services Center, which is um, the, the Downtown Bid and the uh, District of Columbia Partnership. And uh, we've been, you know, doing things from providing hand sanitizer to helping people get tested and now finally to vaccines. Um, the next thing, however, that I want to talk about is I think going to be critical to people feeling like there is a safe return back, and that is activating our outdoor spaces. Um, people may feel more comfortable outdoors than they do inside, and I think it's going to be important for them to know that that safety um, valve is there for them. And um, one of the pictures that you see on the screen is from a couple summers ago, um, but the point here is that in May, uh, we in the Golden Triangle are going to um, install seating in our six parks so that people who are either passing by or working or coming down for a doctor's appointment or whatever can sit outside a little bit and enjoy uh, food from some of our retailers um, safely. Um, below that, you see a streetery, which the downtown bid um, on, started on 8th Street uh, back last summer. And, um, you know, streeteries are popping up all over the District of Columbia, and a lot of them have been um, joint ventures between the bids and the, uh, the district government and, of course, all the restaurants. Um, Neil talked a little bit about art, and as the uh, museums, many of them have been closed, we've been bringing art onto the street for people to enjoy. And during the COVID pandemic, so far we've, we've put up four pieces of art and we intend to put an additional four over the next couple of months on our streets so that people can um, you know, pass by and enjoy something very beautiful and an unexpected encounter. Um, and then finally, and unfortunately, um, a lot of uh, small retailers have suffered throughout you know, the country and, and the district and including in the downtown and, and Golden Triangle areas. And so we've been putting um, art by local artists on the windows. It's, it's so much nicer to look at than a four-lease sign. So th those are some of the things that we've been doing for activation. 
Um, the next slide is, um, I think, absolutely critical for people. Um, we People want to feel safe. And so we have, um, you see two slides there where we have very, very narrow sidewalks and a lot of people use these sidewalks every day. And so we've worked with DDOT um, to widen those sidewalks and make it easier for people to walk without feeling like they are smashed up against other people. Um, uh, so we think that is really important and will be more so when people start to come back. And, um, you know, we've never been in a pandemic before. We have never come back to the office. As, um, you know, if you're listening to this, you've, you haven't experienced this. So there are lots of questions and lots of anxieties. And so uh, one thing that we have done is to create a webinar series. And it's not only for Golden Triangle businesses or Golden Triangle employees or um, organizations, but really it, it is open to people who want to listen. Um, we've been trying to bring in experts to deal with questions that uh, employers may have. Uh, how does COVID affect HR policies? How does it affect insurance? How do you come back? Um, how do you stage a comeback? What are buildings doing to keep me safe when I go back to my office building? So we've helped several of those, and we will continue to hold them monthly um, for the next few months to kind of help answer people's questions. The final thing is I do think the future is bright. Like Neil said, we have a lot of vacancies now, unfortunately, but we will all get through this. And we have plans and we have a lot of faith and, um, uh, and, and love for the District of Columbia. Um, and one of the big treasures that we have is Pennsylvania Avenue west of the White House. And I like to call it America's Forgotten Street. But since the White House, uh, on Penn, uh, since Penn has been closed at the White House, um, the West Side has has really kind of needed a little bit of an upgrade. And if you look at that slide on on the screen, you see what the street looks like today. It's a lot of asphalt. It's more asphalt than you need. And so DDOT has been working on construction drawings for the street that will add uh, protected bike lanes, um, better pedestrian crossings, uh, rain gardens, more green space, uh, better bus stops, and things like that. And they will be starting work on that in fiscal year 22. Um, of course, there we will. The Golden Triangle will be working hard to activate the parks along the corridor. And then finally, and I think this is super exciting, um, we um, are pursuing, in, in partnership with the university, uh, GW University, and. Um, Mayor Bowser's team, the creation of an innovation district um, there. And, and when you step back, you, you think about it, this is a renowned university, right? There's a med school, there's a, um, there's a hospital, there is a world-renowned public health program, um, a, uh, a surprisingly um, amazing innovation and entrepreneurship program. And if we leverage that asset, we can really, really help fill the vacancies. We can create jobs. We can do job training. Um, we can attract companies that want to work with the university on research. And we can keep the tech startups that, that emerge here and move other places. And so I think this is a wonderful 
plan for the future and honestly would be happy to answer any questions um, when we turn to the audience for questions. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Neil and Leona. Thanks for your uh, partnership throughout the pandemic. Uh, and I know there are folks who will have questions or comments about what you said, so you can press zero uh, or you can use the hashtag uh, DC Hope. Uh, and I want to bring in our next guests uh, who are joining us, uh, who are also uh, partners uh, with us and excited to uh, showcase their work uh, because uh, really return to work uh, is going to happen in a lot of different uh, forms and fashions. And so uh, the, our next two guests are going to talk about what they've done to help people think about the workplace and how to make it safe. Uh, and how uh, to get uh, employees engaged again. So with that, I want to bring in uh, Christina uh, Fursley from uh, WeWork. She's the head of public affairs and communications, uh, and also Allison McDougall, who's uh, the co-founder and COO of WorkChew. Uh, so we'll go to uh, Christina first uh, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about what WeWork is doing uh, and our new partnership uh, with WeWork. Thanks, John. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to be back in D.C. It's been 15 years, so I don't know if I ever told you that. Um, first, I'd love to thank everyone who has been working throughout the pandemic to get us to the point where we, where we are, and that's helping with the recovery moving forward. Leona, some of the points you brought up are just incredible, and my deepest gratitude to, to all of you. Um, it's not a question that uh, COVID-19 has fundamentally shifted the way we think of the office. I, I like to say that work life kind of just became life overnight. And as we look to the future of work, we're really trying to reimagine a workplace that is resilient, that works both for employers and employees and, and takes it into the future. So if you can go to the next slide, just briefly on WeWork, we are one of the largest global flexible space providers in the world with over 55 million square feet across 38 countries and 150 cities. Um, we are trying to make sure that that space moving forward is safe, safety focused, is flexible, and is allowing employers to really think thoughtfully about how they want their future workforce to look. Um, we are seeing more and more that a hybrid flexible model is what most employers are looking for, what most businesses are looking for, roughly 2.5 days a week. I'll get a bit more into that data uh, a little bit further in the presentation, but really, um, and if you'll go to the next slide here, what WeWork has been trying to do is focus on the big picture. We're trying to focus on building partnerships with different cities, including DC, which we were proud to announce, I think, just the week before last, um, and collect data and analyze, analyze that data, see what's working, what's not working, to eventually lend to a national effort. As I mentioned, these public-private partnerships, we believe, are so, so critical to making sure that our future model of work, our future ways of working are resilient foster economic recovery and in turn grow and thrive big cities across the nation and across the world. So if we do turn to the next slide, I'll speak a bit about what we've been doing in DC. Um, we partnered with DC the week before last uh, to provide incentives to help businesses and individuals of all sizes return to the office in a way that works for them. Um, we have over 10 locations in DC that are providing this incentive with 15 um, thousand desks and over a million um, square feet. Uh, and what's really unique here is the type of ways you can engage a WeWork. So we have our private office space, which is if you want that dedicated office for you and your colleagues. We also have an all-access type of product, which is um, a WeWork card that will get you into any DC location you want, anytime you want, 
You can do more of a hub and spoke model that way for your businesses. And we also have an on demand, which is for lack of a better way to put it for Uber for office space where you can go on and book a hot desk or a conference room of your choice when you want it and just, just pay as you go. Um, with all of these different types of products and particularly in DC, a key part of our partnership is tracking the data. Again, seeing who's coming back to work, what type of businesses, what days, for how long, what's most important to them. Is it cleanliness? Is it productivity? Is it the Wi-Fi? Is it the printing? And understanding that so we can provide tools and data to these businesses to return people back to work in an efficient way and to foster that economic recovery and continue to grow. And if you'll turn to the next slide, I'll speak a little bit more specifically about our incentives. So for DC, um, we are providing a one-month free trial of that all-access membership, that one where you can visit different DC locations. Um, and then after your first three months, 15% 15 off every month thereafter for up to a year. And then for more of that private space, if that's more suitable for your business, we are offering two months free off of a six-month commitment and three months free off of a 12-month commitment. We're really hoping that these exclusive incentives to DC help businesses and individuals of all sizes in DC um, come back to work in a safety-focused and flexible way. Um, and as I did mention, this is an effort where we're partnering with different cities, expanding nationally, hopefully soon. Uh, we did also partner with Miami, which was more um, tech-focused, and New York, which was more small business-focused. And the point of that is we're really trying to have conversations with cities around the country to understand what the priorities of that city is and align with those priorities so that these programs are effective. For DC, it was really to focus on that return to work for individuals and businesses of all sizes, and we are, we are proud to do that. And I'll speak a bit to the data on the next slide, please. Thank you. Um, so again, we, we launched this partnership about two and a half weeks ago. What you're seeing here, and I have to give a, a shout out to my team, the, all the slides you saw today were created by them. This one I made myself, which is kind of why it looks like this. Um, but what you're seeing is- If you didn't is tell us, we wouldn't know. <laughs> what you're seeing is um, Monday, Wednesday, Monday through Friday here, Saturdays and Sundays aren't there, each specific bars. And um, about 10 work weeks, the tail end of January, all of February, and that first three weeks of March. So you're seeing those dips, right? And those are Fridays and Mondays. And then you're seeing the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays go back up and dip. But what's really positive here is that growth. Is February's been more than January and March so far more than February. And with this partnership, we're hoping to help continue that growth. Um, on a national level, there are, are some data points here that you'll see um, largely focused on Small and medium-sized businesses, that's what SMB stands for there, are really what's leading this effort to return to work and are so critical to helping foster this economic recovery um, across the nation. So we're seeing 74% um, of those returning are non-enterprise, which means they're small and medium-sized businesses. We're seeing that 2.5-day um, return to work a week, mostly Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And we're seeing um, a focus on small businesses to help foster that economic recovery. Um, in addition to the work we're doing with businesses in D.C., I do want to note that we are also working with the university and hoping to expand work with universities to help de-densify campuses and provide that bit of a um, campus feel across our locations here in D.C. as universities are figuring out how to bring people back to campus more full-time. Uh, we hope to be a resource there as well. Uh, if you do and are interested in taking advantage of those incentives, if you're listening, um, it's we.co slash DC. Um, and happy to help however we can. Thank you. Well, thank you, Christina. And I uh, want to bring in our next guest, uh, Allison uh, McDougall uh, from uh, Work2. 
Uh, we're really excited about work too uh, and want to tell our audience a little bit more. I think most in our audience have probably heard about WeWork. Mm-hmm. Not as many yet <laughs> have heard of uh, work too. Uh, so we're excited to have Allison to tell us a little bit more. So thank you guys so much for having us here today. The points that were mentioned um, in the beginning of the uh, uh, presentation are really timely and relevant. Um, so we're really excited to kind of talk about uh, WorkTrue's journey, um, being a DC-based startup, um, but really along that journey, some of the uh, data and the statistics that we have found um, that have really uh, impacted how we've crafted our product, um, and then also some of the opportunities we believe it opens up for a city like Washington, D.C. So just to formally again to introduce myself, I'm Alice McDougall, co-founder and COO of WorkTrue. Work2 is a platform that partners with hotels and restaurants and turns their underutilized space into a network of bookable, flexible workspaces for remote professionals. Um, We do this in an incredibly thoughtful way, um, making sure that we put health and safety first through our verification Trust 20 COVID safety certification process. Um, But to just give a little bit of background about our origins, um, as I mentioned, founded in Washington, D.C., Um, Actually, by my co-founder and CEO, Maisha Burt, Uh, we're both remote workers that have experienced the inefficiencies on what it's like to move about the city or work from home day in and day out um, and not have access to um, affordable workspace, particularly if you had access to a a traditional private office uh, back in 2018. Um, And so one of the reasons why we kind of like to showcase our journey is um, being around since 2018, we've seen the evolution pre-COVID um, we've seen the impact post-COVID um, and really excited about what our product has the, has, has the ability to support the hospitality industry as well as the professional arena. Um, one point that we do like to highlight since we are a, a, a DC-based company um, and there has been a huge initiative around tech startups um, is we're very proud to announce that we have raised a seed round of $2.5 million to allow us to scale, scale effectively across the U.S. Um, But that particular point really leads into this next slide of a lot of the data that we collected in order to make that fundraising journey possible. So some of the industry trends that we found is that, as we all kind of discussed earlier today, is that there's a drastic shift to hybrid work. Um, 60% of employees expect to work remotely at least one day a week post-pandemic. But ultimately, you know, being able to have access to a space where they can be productive Um, is key. Um, Another area that we're seeing that uh, is a huge shift that was also alluded to earlier today is the focus on cost savings. Um, So I I know Neil mentioned um, that there has been some data uh, data around the reduction of leases. Um, And so these are just some of the main points that we have found that 87% of executives um, expect to um, make changes to their overall real estate strategy. And 56% of uh, companies plan to reinvest those cost savings into some type of a thoughtful um, remote work product. Um, so that's where um, we're really excited uh, to be able to provide any type of resources, insights, or suggestions just based off of the discussions that we're having with leaders, um, particularly since um, the uh, discussions around reopening cities. If you go to the next slide. The other element that we've really dug into, what do the employees want? We know that this is kind of the life. Um, blood of a city, of an organization, uh, employees, or residents. Um, so we found that 84% prefer flexible schedules, 66 work-life balance, um, 61% freedom to choose where and when they work. 
um, and 60% are really into uh, eliminating that commute, as we have all probably experienced getting to and from in the area is a lot easier now. Um, so what are some of the solutions that we can provide uh, to be able to um, continue to uh, prop up those stats? If you go to the next slide. So ultimately, our vision of what the future of work could look like, just again, based off of our experiences during this two and a half year journey, um, one of the key uh, main points that we really like to showcase is flexibility and optionality. Those are the two terms um, that I think will lead any organization, any city, um, any surrounding community into having really um, thoughtful and relevant solutions and offerings uh, to the business community. Um, professionals want to be able to choose when and where and how they work. They should be able to choose the day, the aesthetic, um, the vibe, and uh, we're, we're really excited about, again, the feedback that we have received on um, that ability to be flexible. The second area um, that we think is a really cool space um, is the ability to lean into hospitality venues as workspaces and collaboration hubs. Um, Neil also alluded to, he set, he set this presentation up wonderfully, um, that the hotel and restaurant industry um, are coming back. Um, and these are spaces that are designed to make people feel good, um, but they have a lot of um, square footage. And there's a great chance for um, people to kind of reimagine what local businesses uh, could look like um, and how they want to utilize those spaces. So kind of getting creative um, and providing um, residents and business travelers on a different way on how to kind of explore their city. Uh, the third area I would say is uh, access to workspaces outside of just central business districts. Um, as people have really kind of settled into their homes and that routine, you know, this new routine, as we alluded to uh, the elimination of commute and all of the sustainability and green initiatives that that brings, um, being able to access um, spaces that are closer to where people live, I think is going to be a trend um, and something that all cities and business leaders should definitely consider when they're coming up with the uh, workplace strategy. And last is affordable and flexible workspaces for all. Um, we believe all people should be able to have access to spaces for them to create, thrive. Um, there was mentioned earlier that uh, leaning into the innovation centers, um, the, the amazing tech startups that are coming out of this area, um, and being able to access spaces to be able to create and build is essential. Um, and uh, monetary investment shouldn't necessarily be the barrier for people to be able to uh, get that done. So that's uh, one of the four areas that we believe um, our vision of what future of work could look like. And if you just go to the last slide, just some key opportunities with us being uh, a local company and having a unique perspective of understanding kind of the evolution of the city um, and where there's a lot of opportunity, we just like to provide a few key takeaways um, stemming back to the last point, the equitable workspace for all DC res uh, residents, um, the getting creative on what workspaces could look like, really have an opportunity to uh, boost the local economy by, you know, 2.4 uh, by uh, times two uh, to by activating different spaces, um, supplying uh, the underserved communities with access to Wi-Fi um, in places that they feel as though that they can create and do where they need. Uh, do what they need to do in order to uh, get that ball, uh, move the ball forward, um, increase uh, city sustainability, lower green, greenhouse gas emissions by eliminating the commute, and overall um, coming up with creative ways that can uh, lower the cost uh, for the city's output, but still providing solutions that are really key for uh, employees to, um, or local residents, employees, professionals to be able to uh, do their jobs well, but also evolve into our new way of work. 
So thank you. So Allison, I'm going to ask the first question of you. Uh, for uh, work two, what was the experience uh, before the pandemic and then into the pandemic? Because I got to assume that the idea was really ripe uh, mm -hmm. when when uh, when office started shifting. Yeah. So tell us about kind of pre-pandemic versus in the pandemic and how you all uh, made yourselves known uh, in that time. Yeah, pre-pandemic, um, we had a great footprint. Uh, we were in the, the D.C. area back then. We had a little bit of a different model. We uh, exclusively worked with restaurants. Um, the aspect of adding on hotels um, was a result post-pandemic um, and saw a really great opportunity there on how to be able to support the hospitality industry as a whole by t pairing two entities that are severely impacted by uh, our new normal. Um, so then um, we had a pretty robust restaurant inventory. Uh, we also had an opportunity to scale into Chicago um, and had a, a, a great membership base, a different user then, um, more of the entrepreneur, the creative, um, that person that was on the go, wanted access to drop-in space um, at any, a, a very affordable rate. Um, Post-COVID, um, one of the things that we did, particularly during quarantine, was lean into our membership base and just listen to them track the data trends on what type of experience would you like when we get out of that? And that was in April. So we had no idea at that time. Um, and we, we, we packaged those responses and really created the work tree that you see today, um, where you have the ability to access our workspaces, um, see, you know, see, drill down to the actual seat that it is that you're booking, um, just to kind of create that level of safety and security. We revamped our, our model on the type of spaces that we work with. Um, and then I would say one of our, our biggest uh, pivots is our customer base, what that's leaning into enterprise customers and offering our services to corporations as an employee benefit, workplace strategy, or um, health and wellness um, initiative. Okay. And so uh, when you think about um, coming out of the pandemic, right, because we hope with uh, vaccinations increasing that we'll come out of the pandemic, what do you see as uh, work choose place in kind of the future of work mm -hmm. uh, as people think about their office? We believe we're that sweet spot of what the definition of hybrid model is. Um, we are that in-between of a, a traditional office space, um, maybe a traditional co-working space, and we kind of fit that sweet spot of that place that you want to go for a couple hours a day. Um, also, our ability to scale by partnering with existing real estate assets make it really easy for us to be able to be really anywhere. Um, and we think there's a lot of opportunity within surrounding communities, suburban areas, where we have the ability to really get into the nitty gritty of where people live and how they want to work. Um, by all, and also taking that resource that also supports that community, that city, by stimulating the economy of the nature of the spaces where people are working, because they are hospitality spaces that offer food and beverage. Um, so it's an, it's an exciting um, time to be able to be at the ground level to kind of reshape what um, hybrid work could look like. Um, and we believe we're just one of the many resources um, that go into an overall workplace strategy uh, versus one or another. And actually, I was gonna. I saw Chris shaking her head on a couple of those points. I wonder too, uh, when you think about it as sort of an employee benefit, uh, has have you seen companies who have a traditional office space use WeWork as an employee benefit as we think about working from anywhere? Uh, short answer: Yes, uh, we're seeing hybrid models grow and grow. I think what's really unique uh, about WeWork is that option to have a short-term lease, that six months or twelve months or all access month to month. 
and I mean, we are literally all been on all in this together. We some companies are going touch and go, and that flexibility is key. Others are looking at more of that hybrid model long term uh, and doing longer commitments. But all that to Allison's point, we are figuring it out. Uh, employers are figuring it out, and um, that flexibility, that power of flexibility, I think will be a theme moving forward. Not even just for office space, for service service industry as we know it. Yep. And, and Neil and Leona, you talked to uh, the property owners, uh, but you also talked to the employers. What are they seeing in terms of uh, when we do get to a better level of vaccination, when we think people will be coming back to the office? So um, we're hearing a lot. We're hearing a lot um, where people were saying definitely in September. Um, you know, childcare is a big driver. Uh, vaccinations are a big driver. We're also hearing, however, that people are going to start to come back slowly and organically um, over the summer, that there will be some little bit of dipping your toe in the water. And I think the stats that we saw earlier today are really bearing that out. And, and as I walk on the streets of the Golden Triangle, I am seeing more and more people. But I think it will be a slow progression. And I think then right after the schools open, I think at that point, I, I think we'll, we'll start to kind of really get there to the whatever that new normal looks like. I will and, say to help, um, that I'm not sure if I mentioned, is as we measure what we call um, net promoter score, what's important to our members who are in the space, we're seeing um, cleanliness and productivity be the two highest scores. Uh, to that end, we have um, had all our spaces audited by Bureau of Retest and received a certificate of conformity to show that it is safe, six feet apart, everything's cleaned. And to your point, and I think that'll be critical um, to keep up moving forward and make sure that people do feel that safety, that sense of comfort in being in the office. Yeah, yeah. And, and if I can add to that, because I think that's a really good point. Um, if, if you are a tenant in a building, just like I think anybody going into a WeWork would be asking, you, you should ask your landlord what they've been doing because I think you'll be surprised at some of the things, not only the social distancing, but also things, um, rethinking their air handling systems and, and, and things like that. I mean, there, a lot has been done to prepare for a safe return. And, and, and knowledge is power, right? And, and the more people know, I think, the safer they'll feel. Well, and Allison, how have you navigated that too? Because uh, with so many different office types, right, that you're mm -hmm. creating, um, there's that issue of folks wanting that confidence, level mm -hmm. of confidence mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the uh, protocols that are in place. So how do you approach that? And then also for hospitality, they're also trying to manage limited capacity. Mm -hmm. So how do you sort of tackle those two aspects of it? You know, it's it's great that you asked that because that was one of the main um, areas we really flushed out uh, post-lockdown um, and really probably around this summer. Um, and the two things that we've done as the company as a whole, um, we do have a partnership with uh, an organization called Trust20, which is a, a COVID health and safety certification process for um, restaurants and surfaces. Um, backed by General Mills and Gordon Food Services. Um, so we do have our locations go through that Trust 20 certification process. Um, but the other element that we really just like to mention in discussions, as you guys all can attest to, um, is that the hospitality venues, particularly restaurants and hotels, have such rigorous health and safety standards. Um, it really is a place that is monitored by, you know, local health 
organizations to ensure that it's a healthy environment. Um, and so, you know, we, we like to just kind of allow people to just, again, reimagine, rewire their brains on in looking at options um, that can support whatever type of uh, work experience that they're looking for. And then the element on the capacity. Um, the one thing that even pre-COVID, um, we always worked with venues that had underutilized hours. So all of our spaces were always open, um, but we only signed uh, prop partners onto the platform that uh, opted in because they said, hey, you know, yes, we're a, an all-day establishment, but, you know, between the hours of 11 and 4, things are a little slow. And those are actually the hours that people tend to want to have that drop-in experience. So that's where that, um, you know, pre-COVID, it, it clicked. Post-COVID, it's just a little bit more um, relevant. So as an organization, we work really close with all of our properties to figure out days and hours of the week that works best for them um, in, in, in with our new qualifications in order to be listed on the platform, the square footage of these spaces, particularly in the hotel industry, are so large, they can always support um, additional people within the space um, and still provide the social distancing parameters within them as well. Well, and I know uh, Leona alluded to it in her presentation, but I think when we come back to the office, uh, the time of us all being in uh, the conference room that's behind Neil uh, is probably, you know, a, a past time. Uh, maybe that's not going to come back, uh, especially not right away. Uh, so when you think about outdoor, how does outdoor weigh in on this? And I wonder if we were, if we thought about this, if we're has thought about uh, how outdoor kind of really fits into the the, uh, the future of uh, return to the office, especially in the immediate. Yeah. Sure. So many of our WeWorks do have outdoor space available that you can reserve, similar to how you reserve a conference room. Um, and we'll actually be highlighting those now that the weather is getting nicer throughout the month. I know a few of our locations in D.C. have that space. We're also looking at different ways to utilize outdoor space within neighborhoods and communities and help communities um, bring people back downtown that way. Um, if there are programs in D.C. that we can get involved in, we'd be more than happy to help as well. Um, I personally am looking forward to outdoor dining remaining and sidewalk cafes that never existed before <laughs> being around, yeah. which yeah. will also hopefully help foster the economic recovery that cities need. Um, and, and I'd be fascinated actually to hear else and if, if you're thinking about that at all. Okay. Uh, yes, one of the biggest um, feedback loops that we received uh, from our membership base once we around that April-May timeframe was the ability to access outdoor workspace. So actually one of the requirements to be on our platform is that you have to offer outdoor workspace. So um, when members do sign on to our platform, they actually can see the physical floor plan and they can see the indoor spaces as well as the outdoor spaces and how many seats are readily available, who else has booked uh, that particular seat. Um, so if you want to make an informed decision on making sure that you have distance from that person, um, that they can make that um, educated choice. So um, outdoor dining um, and seating is is paramount uh, to our workspace strategy, strategy um, both here and all cities that we're breaking into. Neil, I've never seen you so shy. How are you thinking about outdoor, especially as we uh, aim towards uh, May and beyond? Yeah, so as I was listening uh, to Chris and Allison, uh, I, I do think uh, it's important. It's an important sort of next step in bringing people back to downtown is to offer the safe outdoor spaces, not just for dining, but for working. And as they were speaking, I was thinking, there's a partnership with BIT waiting to happen uh, around this. Uh, is you 
may recall, you know, last year we did this uh, wonderful dine-out on 8th Street uh, that was a multi-restaurant destination dining experience that really brought people not just from downtown D.C. but from all over the, um, the DMV uh, to take advantage of the weather uh, and good food. You know, we, it, it would be great if we could expand that into a number of areas or anchored around specific um, restaurants uh, and, and, and office clusters to provide that space. So I'd, I'd love to have a follow-up conversation uh, about how we can partner with these two organizations to make that happen uh, this spring and summer in D.C. So right now, and Leona mentioned streeteries, and I know we've talked about it in the conversation, we know that there are 833 streeteries around the district. I always say that's a great sign of kind of the innovation that has happened to get us through the pandemic, um, including, uh, uh, you know, the great majority of those are actually uh, restaurants, uh, whether they are restaurants with a liquor license or restaurants uh, that are more fast casual that don't have a liquor license, uh, but over 800. So how do we think about, um, you know, the central business district and beyond uh, for work as well? So I don't know what the term will be. If a streetery is supposed to be a street that you eat on, if it'll be a workery or what, but we'll come up with that. I know Neil has a lot of smart people at the downtown bid who will help us think through that. Uh, but Neil, you are uh, also embarking upon uh, a renovation of Franklin Park. Um, have you thought about how that would actually be a workspace for folks? I know Leona mentioned the parks, the six parks uh, in the Golden Triangle bid, but Franklin Park in particular, have you added any elements to make that easier as a place for work? Yeah, so even before the uh, Franklin Park uh, was undergoing renovations, uh, in the spring summer, the downtown bid offered um, work hours in the park, uh, and uh, there was a you know it was it was well attended. We had a partnership uh, with Comcast uh, to make that possible. Uh, we're gonna once the park is uh, is open, we'll make make sure that, that happens again. But we also have our cafe, a restaurant uh, that will be in the park. It's uh, so one of the components of the park that will be accessible uh, to the public. Again, not just for their dining pleasure, but for their working pleasure. Joe, I want to get back to something that you talked about a little earlier, because I'm going to... Uh, so I do think people are creeping back into the office. So when the pandemic shut us all down, you know, three to 5% of people were working for the office. First of all, last survey suggested that we're, we're closer to 10 to 15% people coming downtown every day uh, for work. Uh, and as Leona said, uh, once there is you know, widespread vaccination and people feel safe, I, I, I have a feeling that those numbers are going to grow exponentially rather than, than slowly. Uh, and so while, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't plan for the wonderful outdoor workspaces, but I think we should plan for this to be a complement to the traditional uh, workplace setting that we've had in the past. No, I think that's uh, definitely the right. I see Leona shaking her head too. Um, Leona, do you see the same office utilization rate? And I think it was Chris who said that Tuesday through Thursday is kind yeah. of where uh, we see the most no, absolutely, and that's what we, yeah, and, and we've seen it in buildings in the Golden Triangle, and that's what we expect is going to be the last thing when people go to hybrid. 
Um, in fact, for years we've had an event in Farragut Square, a daytime, a whole day takeover of the square. Every Friday we called it Farragut Friday, and we're thinking we need to rethink Farragut Friday, and yeah. it might have to be you know Farragut Thursday or something like that in the future. But certainly, yes, and I think we're all expecting the same, the same thing. And we've actually been debating that a little bit in the office too, whether the um, whether we think we should, because if people are coming on Tuesday through Thursday. So we make that sort of incentive on Monday and Friday where maybe right. people don't want to come as well. Right, because so what I'm are the impact? No, no, I think that's absolutely a critical question because, you know, um, Allison talked a little bit about the impacts to the climate, the impacts to, mm -hmm. you know, public transportation, traffic and everything. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I think, I, I think that's, that's totally valid. Do do we look at ways to incentivize coming in on Mondays and Fridays so that we can spread out and 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 ease the impacts on our on our different infrastructures? Okay, I saw Allison and Chris shaking their heads too. Yeah, um, a CBRE study did show just your earlier point about that: is it going to be traditional or is it is it going to complement? But 86% of businesses surveyed by CBRE said they'd have some sort of flexible model in the future. Mm -hmm. And then I think a JLL survey was 30% of office space will totally be flexible. But what we are seeing is assigned days. Um, you'll see the right. majority, almost like how schools have those pods, businesses yeah. having those assigned days for different workers, those choosing Mondays, doing the Mondays, and just a little less than. Um, we're also seeing... Uh, Wednesdays being the day that's remote to make sure that people don't bookend, you know, it's just, it's per business and it's per type of business, right? So um, you'll see the financial industry probably lean more towards that five day a week, but maybe six hours in the office and home, whereas companies that can allow that Tuesday through Thursday and still be productive, have that happen. Um, but all to say, yes, I think it will be a mix of that traditional office space then complemented with more of a hybrid model and allow for the flexibility of companies to decide what works for them. Um, and that ability to be flexible being where companies like WeWork, flexible space providers, can play a critical role. And, and just to kind of piggyback off that, I think it's just such a great opportunity for a city like Washington, D.C. to lean into the remote days. So knowing that, you know, uh, that was referenced of the, the pods or the two days a week that you're going into the office, um, there's a, the whole population that is remote and some, you know, remote environments are great. Some are not so great. Sometimes you just need a few hours. And, you know, this, I think organizations, whether it's a company or government, thinking through the whole strategy on when you're in the traditional spaces, you have that experience. But when you're home or you're remote, what options do you have? And we fully embrace that entire um, experience. I think people really uh, will start to realize that the, the evolution is really being embraced and uh, people have choices even the days that they are not physically walking into their offices, even though we all know that those are always going to be the, the historic headquarters and home bases of when you really corral and come together. Great. And I, I know we had a Facebook question for Marsha. I think we kind of handled that in the conversation. I want to bring in some of our callers. So Kevin uh, first. Uh, Kevin, yes, your line I, should be open. Uh, this is our Kevin Kevin Clinton, Federal City Council, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, perhaps it's uh, a case of spring or the nice weather, but in conversations that I've had with my colleagues and others who I work with, I'm increasingly hearing about people say they miss the experience of being town, downtown, they miss their colleagues, they miss their favorite restaurants. What do, what do you say to people who are thinking about coming back? Perhaps they've been vaccinated, but they're, they're not quite sure. Is, is downtown ready? 
What would the experience be like? What do you say to people who are uncertain? Can I take yeah. that one? Sure. Um, I, I think, Kevin, um, I think downtown is ready. I think if they have concerns, they should talk to their landlord um, to find out what the landlord has been doing. Uh, like I said earlier, I think they're going to be really pleasantly surprised at the measure that the landlords are putting in from social distancing to additional disinfecting to air handling systems and other, you know, massive investments in the building to make it safer. Um, the transit system, you know, Metro is operating. Um, I, you know, I took it to come here today. Um, the outdoor spaces are open and available and there are places where people can go and, you know, get a cup of coffee or get a lunch or whatever it is that they, that they want to do. So yes, by all means. And I have seen more and more people the last couple of weeks, you know, on the street. Um, kind of a nice experience. It's, it's like visiting without the crowds. <laughs> so. Uh, Neil, what's your uh, what's your advice to folks who say is it is it time to come back yet? Yeah, it, I, I think you know as people people have to make their individual decisions, but I think as vaccines are ramping up, we are seeing more people uh, downtown. Uh, particularly last week, I don't know if it was because it was because of the cherry blossoms uh, in town, uh, but there were more tourists uh, on the street, and I would agree with Leona. It, it's uh, it's it's a sort of a building by building experience, but most of the property managers that we that we talk to are taking some of the most drastic measures to ensure that people could work uh, in their buildings uh, safely. Uh, COVID has forced them to retrofit uh, their buildings so that you know it's safe to safe to be there. Uh, and you know our retailers depend on people coming back downtown and working downtown. So. Uh, for the love of a, a restaurant and other retailers, please come downtown. And I think uh, to Neil and Leona, I think the investment that people have put into the workplace to make sure it's safe and the health protocols mm -hmm. are in place, I think is something that uh, we need to continue to sort of stress and make sure you're right. Like people can just ask if they don't know, they should definitely ask their property manager, uh, you know, what has been put in place in order to make it safer. We uh, mentioned the, the um, webinars we've been doing and the one that we had on what is your building doing where we featured a number of landlords and, and then a number of tenants to talk about how they design their workspace was our most um, watched webinar. I mean, it, it far exceeded everything else. I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds of people watched that. So I think that tells you the interest that people have in, in knowing that. So let's bring in our next caller, Beth. Uh, Beth, can you hear us? Hi, this is Beth Ball with Premier Workspaces. I just wanted to jump on and really encourage those who do want to come back. There are a lot of open spaces and buildings, such as rooftops, lobbies, outdoor eating areas. We've gone to the extent, um, even with the building, to make sure we have our tape measure out to ensure everybody's happy. Um, and they feel safe in these environments. I definitely agree that the building and each tenant within has to have a plan to encourage people to, you know, that they have something to look at to feel safe to come back to the workplace. But I do agree everybody's getting a little um, antsy to come back and make sure it is safe. So I like, you know, like Fun Day Friday and 
um, you know, move on to Monday for, you know, fun times and get us back into the workplace that works for everybody. So I really appreciate you all having this call and the feedback, um, but I do. Um, we are definitely seeing people wanting to come back into the office on flexibility with its month to month, three, six or twelve terms, hourly bookings for the day or evening or weekend. So it's been great um, having that flexibility for people while they're at home. So thank you for having this call. Definitely. Thank you. And I think you cut out a little bit. I think you were paying too much compliment uh, to the work uh, that everybody here has done. But uh, definitely, I think the uh, big thing that we want to uh, make sure is that that employees still have that flexibility in order to understand, like, what is uh, the health protocols that are put in place? Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, what is the flexibility in scheduling, too? Uh, because the demands at home haven't gone away mm -hmm. uh, because we know school and daycare are still huge challenges. Uh, so we don't want to downplay that uh, as well. Let's go to one more caller, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, your line should be open. Hi there. Thanks so much for doing the call. Um, my name is Jonathan Drobus. I live in Ward 6 and uh, work at a medium-sized business down near Metro Center. Part of, I'm on our kind of uh, back-to-office committee, and we're talking through a lot of the issues that you all discussed. And um, want want folks back in the office. I would be interested in, to hear from the panel about um, advice on how to talk to employees in a way, because uh, obviously these are sensitive issues, and want people to feel uh, comfortable um, and respected as we're, we're asking them to come back, uh, and certainly, most importantly, safe. So any advice that you have as we're communicating with our employees would be really helpful. Yeah, well, I think you the the you ended with the number one thing, right? Which is communication. I think um, being clear um, with employees that you value their safety, that you will not, you know, be putting them into um, a position where they would they would be unsafe. And I think communicating that consistently. Um, I think answering their questions about um, you know vaccines answering their questions about what the landlord is doing and then what you as an employer are doing. Do you have possibility or ability to, um, we're lucky enough that we can give our employees right now um, individual offices, but are you putting them into a shared space? Are there individual offices? Can you stagger your hybrid work days in such a way that people can um, I, I think Allison or um, Christine um, talked about pods, right? But can you can you create something like that so that people can be distanced? Um, I think um, uh, you know. I, I also think that you should talk to your attorney and to your HR people um, because there are certain things related to privacy and vaccines that I think employers should be aware of and, and, and should respect, but. It all really, I think, comes to communicating with them, hearing their questions, because like I said earlier, we've never gone back from a pandemic before and we don't know all the answers. So just creating this dialogue where they, whereby they can ask things because you might not have thought of them. Um, and, and I think that's just, you know, a good model to keep, you know, to, to, to continue to work through. So uh, one of the things that Neil alluded to was uh, the Smithsonian and making sure that the Smithsonian opens back up. 
Uh, so I'm going to ask Tatiana to help us because I'm going to ask a trivia question here. Uh, and if you're viewing on Facebook, uh, you could put in the chat right now, uh, what do you think the number of visitors to the Smithsonian was in 2019? So the number, and it's in the millions, how many visitors were to the Smithsonian? So I'm going to ask uh, Tatiana to check out the chat, and we'll see uh, who gets the closest to it. Uh, but before we give the answer, uh, let's hear a final word uh, from each of our panelists. Uh, we'll start with Neil. Well, again, thank you, John, for putting this uh, forum together. And as I said earlier, uh, you know, the downtown DC's economy is critical to the district's economy as a whole. And having our daytime traffic tremendously will certainly help with the re recovery. But I also see this as an opportunity to sort of rethink uh, how we do office downtown. And there were some really great ideas uh, that came out today that I'm hoping that not just the downtown bid and the Golden Triangle bid, but the other bids uh, in the city uh, can partner to make uh, the new work reality uh, more comfortable and inviting for folks. So thanks for having uh, me on this call. Well, and Neil, what's your guess? For uh, oh. Um, I would say it's over two million. Uh, the exact number I don't know. All right, all right, Leona, why don't you give us your final thought and then your your uh, guess as well? Oh my. Well, I I do agree with Neil. I think it's an opportunity to rethink, and I I I think that that there will be a lot of change. Um, and with change, uh, is as long as you have vision. Um, and, and can rethink. I, I think hopefully it's, it's for the better. I do also think, though, that there is, you know, an emotional element to this. Um, we all love this city. And I think that um, as we think about coming back, I think we all have a part, you know, not just um, the mayor's team and, and, and others, but we all have a part in trying to recreate um, and, and make better this beautiful place. And so I hope that we come with it, not only with our mind, but from our heart as well. And I don't know the number. I will guess 36 million. Okay, great. Uh, Chris, you want to give us your parting thoughts? Sure. I, I'd echo Neil and Leona and just say that um, we can all find comfort in our shared experiences. This has been a very challenging year, and we are starting to see that bright side uh, start to shine and we just have to keep at it and work together uh, to Jonathan's point the caller have a two-way discussion have anonymous surveys if you can just just mm -hmm. talk to people in the way they are comfortable and build solutions for a future that that is better than the one that we had known in the past um, and uh, if we were can be a resource we hope we can be if, if even just information we might have is helpful let us know um, we're here to really help foster that economic recovery and that growth I like to say that change is inevitable, change is evergreen, but um, growth is optional, and, and that's up to us. Um, and my guess is 12 million. Okay. Um, no, so I just wanted to thank everyone um, and echo everyone on the panel's um, sentiments and thank uh, the mayor's office for allowing us to join this discussion. Um, I think there's a, a great opportunity to evolve into a, a new normal. Um, there's uh, been a, a tremendously challenging year, um, but uh, the, the one thing that I think is um, an opportunity is for everyone to 
share their experiences and to be able to kind of collaborate and figure out what are some things that we could make better um, and how can we really evolve into this new era I believe we're really entering into and how can we do it well? Um, what, are the, what are the things that we can um, kind of expand upon um, and you know, really reimagine what the city and what the residents and the businesses um, can, exp and can experience? So if by any way uh, us at the Work True team can be of resource, whether again, it's our, our data trends, insights, um, we are here to support in any way, um, and we are, you know, really looking forward uh, to working with, uh, you know, the local community and uh, supporting them by being able to uh, feel as though that they can access a place uh, to be able to create and do and uh, thrive. Great. And your guess, Allison? Oh, I'm going to be conservative. Let's say seven million. Okay. okay. It was actually, uh, and Neil. You got to do better. It was 22.1 million in 2019. Uh, so really that kind of tells you how many people it draws uh, to our central business district. Um, and so that's why we really want to see it open again. I know there's uh, other museums, uh, private museums that have opened again uh, and are doing it safely uh, with our health protocols in place. I know one across the street from Neil is Planet Word, uh, which was a project that DEMPED uh, worked on with the district and our partner. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, folks avail themselves to those opportunities, too, uh, even as we talk about the workplace uh, that is uh, in the Central Business District. So with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We want to thank the panelists, uh, those who called in. Really, what we're asking this week is for everybody to make sure uh, that you're asking uh, all D.C. residents uh, to pre-register for a COVID-19 uh, vaccination appointment. Uh, so we've been sending out uh, mailers. We'll make sure that we get these out to businesses as well. Uh, to post them, uh, but you can go to vaccinate.dc.gov uh, or you can call 1-855-363-0333 and get it uh, scheduled uh, so that you're uh, pre-registered. And then when you do have an opportunity to get an appointment, uh, you'll get an email, you'll get a call uh, to make sure that you're helping us uh, get through this. And the best way to do that is to get folks vaccinated. Uh, and the best way to get folks vaccinated is to pre-register at vaccinate.dc.gov. Uh, so with that, we want everybody to stay safe, be sure to keep uh, masking up, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.